Welcome to the Bliss Seekers Podcast. Our podcast is intended to inspire people to discover their true purpose and follow their bliss. We're on every major platform, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube. Please make sure you like, subscribe, hit that notification bell. Thank you so much for tuning in to our podcast and please enjoy the show. Although now I understand it at the time at 12, you're not understanding a lot of different things that's going on. You know, you're trying to make new friends. You're in a whole completely different world. You know, um, you're trying to uh, to adapt. And with a heavy accent like how I had, you know, a lot of people would just look at me and they'd be like, yo, what did he just say? And, you know, I have people come up to me like, hey, Sean, hey, Sean, say, how many fingers do I got up? There's a tree. Okay, what is that outside? There's a tree. Oh, man, did you hear this? Yo, Sean, say, how do you say stairs? Upstairs. What's going on? Why, why are they asking me all these blood clot questions for right now? They ask me too much. What a, what a damn bathroom there, man. What's going on? And they're like, oh, you hear me? He said, man, he said, and it was, for me, it was, um, it was, it was, it was difficult, you know, um, because as I came here, you know, I'm trying to adapt. I'm trying to talk to people, like, really connect. And that kind of made me go into my shell because I didn't understand. I didn't have anyone else that was like me. Welcome back to the podcast. Today we have two very special guests. One, a former educator, and the other, a manager for Tao Group Entertainment. They are now successful entrepreneurs in the financial industry. They are CEO and COO of Skywalker Consulting. They are also hosts of a wealth podcast on Instagram known as The Green Table Talk. And they are parents to future boss baby, Aiden Skywalker Timmons. By the way of Las Vegas and coming to you live from Hawaii, please welcome to the podcast, Sean Timmons and Tiffany Hill. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Thank guys. you for having us. Yeah, it's exciting. Um, I, I, we're here in Hawaii and um, you know I'm excited to get to know you guys a little bit better, know your story. I know we've gotten to know each other a little bit over the last couple of weeks, but I'm excited to hear it all and, and from the beginning, right? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Just had to start somewhere, right? Yeah. So I know we're in Hawaii, but I know you guys are not from Hawaii. So uh, you guys can pick who wants to go first. Let's talk about it, where you guys grew up, you know, how you're raised, that kind of stuff. So, because, you know, I like definitely. Let, well, yeah. The way we feel here at the podcast is if people get to know your story, they can connect with you better. So uh, whoever wants to start, we'll go ahead. Well, fantastic. I guess he's going to let me go first. Uh, I'm from, I'm originally from Brooklyn, New York. Okay. So, you know how they say Brooklyn girls do it best. That's um, definitely a saying I believe in, but, you know, born and raised in Brooklyn, New York. And um, I spent at least 14 of those years in Brooklyn, New York, Canarsie to be specific. Um, So that's, that's where I'm from. So okay. Brooklyn, real quick. Um, so I'm a big fan of the, the notorious B.I.G. Biggie Smalls. Yeah. Um, like I grew up on the West Coast, and I used to be, think Biggie was the best rapper, and everyone gave me a bunch of crap because it was all about Tupac on the West Coast, right? <laughs> That's that, right. Yeah, but uh, is is he kind of from the same general location that you're from, or? So he's not from the same projects as the projects that I grew up in, but when you say Brooklyn, Brooklyn tends to breed the finest, you know, like Jay-Z, he's from Brooklyn. A lot of the greats in the um, hip hop industry have come from Brooklyn. That's on the Queens. That's our boss baby right now. There you go, there's boss baby, right? 
All right, Sean. I know. I know you're not from Brooklyn, Sean. So talk about where you where you were born. Hi. <laughs> well, I I am originally from the Caribbean, um, Caribbean island by way of Saint Vincent and the Grenadines, and um, Saint Croix, the U.S. Virgin Islands. So um, a lot of my my humble beginnings started from there. Um, you know, just being down down from the from the other side of the island. So being down here in Hawaii is is very you know it feels a lot like home. Yeah. So so Virgin Islands. I I know we talked about this before, but that's uh that's where Tim Duncan hails from. Is that correct? That is correct. <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny. It's funny that you say that because you know um my grandmother she has a, a food restaurant down there and she used to you know serve him and. I used to see him and my uncle, you know, because they all used to play basketball together. I used to always see them growing up as, as a kid, man. Really? Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. What was that like? Yeah. Um, it was, it was, it, well, I think it's more so um, empowering now to see, you know, that a lot of people from the Caribbean, you know, now we're starting to, you know, be seen and things like that. For any for things outside of just our musical culture, um, you know, and nice beautiful beaches. Um, but yeah, man, seeing Tim Duncan to where he's at right now and knowing where he was then at that point in my time, I guess I didn't realize, you know, how powerful of an impact it would make and how much, you know, um, uh, you know, how much of a path that they clear for a lot of people from the Caribbean. Um, all I knew was, hey, man, you know, we got two young young people from the Korean. They're going to the U.S. They're representing for us. So yes, big ups all the way. <laughs> so I have a question. The the Virgin Islands. There, is there two territories there? There's like a U.S. and a different one, or is it all U.S.? So there's U.S. and British Virgin Islands. And so which which part of the Virgin Islands were you originated from? The U.S. part. The U.S. The U.S. So now when I say by way of Saint Vincent and the Grenadines, Saint Vincent and the Grenadines is British territory. Oh, okay. So I had, I, I kind of had um, both. I got to, I got to experience both. I had families, you know, my family's all over the Caribbean. You know, my mom's from Trinidad and Tobago, you know, grandmother's from St. Vincent, you know, had family in St. Croix. So it's just like, I would go through every single one of those islands and get a little bit of taste of everything. Wow. That's, that's pretty cool. I mean, what's it like, like, um, so one, one, one part is British, British colonized basically. Do they yeah. speak like British English there and the other parts speak more American or is it kind of a Caribbean type deal? It's um, it's all Caribbean, different okay. dialects. Um, yeah. So, you know, some some islands will have stronger dialects, different, you know, Patois and things like that. Um, so it's just, it's according to the island you're on. It's definitely funny because I went to visit his home town. You know, they have a house in um, St. Vincent mm -hmm. and he took me there. I think we were only dating a year, maybe a year and a half. And he took me there to meet his grandmother. He's like, this is a big deal. I don't do this. <laughs> and you're going to my, my home, like where I was raised, you know? And I was like, that's pretty cool. Because every time I've gone to the islands, you know, it's been like vacation resort. So you don't really get to see, you know, the other side, like how people actually live there, right? And it was just so beautiful to be able to take in like the culture. But when everybody was talking, I was like, Trans translation, <laughs> what they say, I'm trying to follow along. But, you know, they definitely knew I was not from there. And I definitely needed help understanding what they were saying. 
What language was your family speaking? Or was it just a deep Caribbean accent? It's the deep Caribbean accent. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I mean, most, most of my family, they speak Patois, um, you know, or like Tiff says, deep, that deep Caribbean accent with, um, with different dialects to it, man. Um, it's crazy because when I came to America and as I speak right now, you know, a lot of people are like that. Ah, and big up to all my, my island people that's listening, you know, um, and, and that's tapped in. Yes, understand, understand what we're going on and everything. I love to everyone out there. Um, yeah. You know, so a lot of people listen to me. And when I tell them I'm from the Caribbean, they're like, well, where's your accent? What happened to your accent? Like, well, what happened to the man and everything else? Um, you know, I had, I had, I had, I had, a, you know, a, a, an insightful, um, time when I first came to America okay it wasn't it wasn't one it wasn't one of the best times um so it kind of changed the way that that I interact and the way that I speak was that because so, of your because of your dialect right so when I when I first came to America I had a super deep strong accent you know um I was about like 12 or whatever the situation is and just like most people that come to America you know um that that you know, that language barrier was a big, was a big problem for me. Um, although now I understand it at the time at 12, you're not understanding a lot of different things that's going on. You know, you're trying to make new friends, you're in a whole completely different world. You know, um, you're trying to, uh, to adapt and with a heavy accent, like how I had, you know, a lot of people would just look at me and they'd be like, yo, what did he just say? And, you know, I have people come up to me like, Hey, Sean, Hey, Sean, say, how many fingers do I got up? That is tree. Okay, what is that outside? That is a tree. Oh man, did you hear this? Yo, Sean, say how do you say stairs? Upstairs. What's going on? Why are they asking me all these blood clot questions for right now? They ask me too much. What a what a damn bathroom, there, man. What's going on? And it's like, oh, you hear me? He said, man, he said, and it was for me. It was um, it was it was it was difficult, you know, um, because as I came here, you know, I'm trying to adapt. I'm trying to talk to like really connect. And that kind of made me go into my shell because I didn't understand. I didn't have anyone else that was know. like me yeah. that I can, that I can associate with and be like, Hey man, like, yo, how do you, how do we interact with these people? I was going to say, he probably, you know, thought that they were making fun of him rather than just having a fascination yeah. for something foreign that they, you know, they haven't got to experience because even though that, that was his experience from the Caribbean, I had a similar experience when I had went to a boarding school. So mm -hmm. when I was in, you know, I call it the get out of the hood program, right? Where it's like, <laughs> I was born and raised in the projects, right? Canarsie, Bayview projects. And my guidance counselor, when I was in, when I was in um, fifth grade, was like, hey, I think, and I'm so thankful that somebody cared, you know, to, to pay attention because I was always a straight A student, not because I wanted to, but I feared my mom. You know, if I came home with a hundred and there was extra credit, she was like, what about the three extra points? What happened? So I was always like an overachiever and the guidance counselor took notice and she was like, I think you would be great for this program. Um, it's for inner city kids and they take, um, they take, you get, you test, and if you get through it, then, you know, then you can go to this program. And I was like, okay, well, I'll take this home to my mom. And I showed her and she, she kind of, 
she was like, okay, well, let's go through the steps, you know, let's go see the testing and everything like that. And the bottom line is I made it through everything. And I ended up switching my whole background because I'm in Brooklyn, New York, where the majority of the students in my school are all black kids, you know, I'm African American. So I go from there and I had a lot of Caribbean people because a lot of Caribbean people go to Jamaica, Queens <laughs> or just, you know, Brooklyn in general. And so right. I knew of the dialect, mm -hmm. still didn't understand it, but I knew of it. I, it wasn't like, oh my God, what is that? It was just like, all right, I know that's how they talk. And you were familiar, yeah. I was familiar with it. And then I go to this boarding school that's predominantly white. Okay. And now my life is all flipped upside down. Yeah. And I have girlfriends who are still my friends today, you know, like we use grease in our hair and they're like, what, what is that? Like, you know, in the yeah. bathrooms or in our, they were like, can I use it on my hair? And I'm like, I don't think it's for your hair. So it's just like coming across something you don't know and knowing how to kind of deal with it. Um, no one teaches you that. Yeah. How were so you, you kind of have to figure to it out. How old were you when you went to the boarding school? I was, I want to say it was for high school. So I can't remember if it was 12 right. or 14, whatever time that is. Yeah. So that's very interesting because at the same time, Sean was coming to the U.S. and facing was going to <laughs> culture shock of, you know, and, and, I, and I think Tiffany, you had it, you hit it on the head. They were more fascinated than making fun of him. But as a 12 year old in a new country, you don't know the difference. You just think like, why is everybody like picking on me? Why are they, why, you know, What's wrong with the way I say things, right? But I think it's pretty interesting that you both had that similar unique experience where when you're around that 12, 13, like becoming a teenager, you had this complete turnaround of your upside down of your whole life. And it's like, you're in a new culture, so to speak, right? When you guys had to adapt, do you feel that that kind of made you guys connect in a way or did you realize that at all? Um, After seven hours of breakfast, probably, yeah. Well, I mean- it's funny because when we did actually meet each other, we were like, wow, we're like too similar. Like we need to make sure we're not related or anything like that. Yeah. We actually took a trip uh, to, the, to the Carolinas <laughs> to go visit his grandmother who has like a book of names of everybody <laughs> to see if uh, we were uh, related to make sure that because <laughs> we were just, we were so similar and, um, and what we discussed, like, even though two different paths, just um, our experiences made us think the same way. Right. You know, we had to learn how to adapt and young. And um, we used it instead of as a crutch, as a tool to just get through life. Yeah, I would, I would definitely say, yes, it allowed for us to connect in that way, because just because based off of our past experiences and the things that we went through, it was a lot easier for us to connect um, because we had a lot of similar stories just in different regions, you know, coming from the Caribbean to Alaska, by the way. Um, let me clarify that. Wait, okay? you went from the Caribbean to Alaska? I went from the Caribbean to Alaska. Right. So allow me to go ahead and clarify that for, for most people, because when you hear about, you know, how Tiffany was saying, you know, going from the Caribbean, you, a lot of Caribbean people definitely go to New York, yeah. Brooklyn. I have a lot of family in Brooklyn, um, you know, but uh, for some reason, uh, my mom probably saw cool runnings and thought that we really could win some gold medals and was like, I'm going to get you up there. I don't know what the situation is, but somehow we ended up in Alaska of all places. So, you know, um, when you talk, when Tiffany talks about, you know, 
her experiences in boarding school, not only was I in a different country, you know, understanding a whole different way of life and how to live, but I was pretty much off the map, literally. You're probably not going <laughs> to see us on the map. Like, I was in Alaska. Who goes to Alaska, bro? <laughs> That's the first time I ever heard somebody go from the Caribbean to Alaska. So You know what I mean? So yeah. it was it was definitely a, a culture shock and a, and a change for, for me as well. Yeah. And so um, talk about that. So you, you're, you grew up in the Caribbean, Virgin Islands, tropical. Um, now you're in Alaska, right? Like, what was that like, you know, for, for, for a young, a young, I guess, teenager, you know, what was the, the hardest thing you had to adapt to? And what was some, some benefits of it too, as well? Um, hardest thing I had to adapt to, um, was the language barrier. That was the first thing. And like I said, when that happened, as, as Tiffany says, as I got older and I understood now, like, Hey, it wasn't more so if they were making fun of me, they, it was just something that they never experienced, something that they didn't know. So going from the Caribbean where I have, you know, a set lifestyle, this is what I understand. You know, this is how we move. We do carnivals in the summertime. You know, we dance, we swim, we go to the beach, all kinds of things to the cold. By the way, I try to hide. I try to run away at least 10 times before I moved to Alaska. <laughs> didn't work. I ended up still going there. Yeah. Um, you know, but it's it's like now here I'm in Alaska understanding how to go ahead and and live in this in this new state, this place. Um, and it wasn't cold. My first experience there wasn't cold um, because we got there in the summer. Oh, so beautiful. Oh no, man. Oh my gosh. So when we when we got there. I had the pre-notion because, you know, we all watch, you know, National Geographic and things like that. Yeah. And I'm thinking igloos. Oh, my gosh. I'm going have a two-story igloo house. I'm thinking the same you thing know? I was thinking when you first took me to Alaska. He's right. taking me to a few different places for my first times. And I was like, Alaska? What? What is up there? What? Where is it? <laughs> you know, like... Shame on me, you know, because I taught about this, but on those maps, those are incorrect maps, everybody. Like, they have Alaska right next to Hawaii. That's not where it's at, guys. You know, it's funny because we're actually in Hawaii right now. <laughs> They're not next to each other. Not next to each other. You know, um, so it, it was crazy because being there when we first got there, I had that notion. I'm like, okay, igloo. Uh, we're going to have a dog sledding team for a car, you know, um, yeah. it, there's going to be a polar bear for our dogs. And then when we get there, it's it's beautiful, man. Lush, green, um, and the sun. The sun was up for like 22 hours, which was crazy. So nobody told me that the sun was broken. Okay, <laughs> now this this was the time. Okay, so I'm around 12, 12, 13. This is the time when and 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 for for most of our you know younger people that are listening in, they may not know about this, but this was a time when you had to come in when the street lights came on, okay? So me and my brother were out playing. And well, if the sun's up bright, like how it looks like 12 o'clock in the afternoon at two o'clock in the morning, yeah. <laughs> we're still out playing on our huffy bikes and things like that, right? Yeah. And and it's crazy because now here comes my mom with rollers in her hair. And <laughs> I'm like, oh shit, what the hell's going on right now? Yeah. And she's like, what are you guys doing outside? And I'm like, well, it's the street lights never came on. What's wrong? Yeah. And she's like, it's about almost one o'clock in the morning. You guys got to get home. And we're like, oh man, you know, um, because that was, that was a completely different transition. Not ever seen the sun go down. Yeah. That's you crazy. Know? I never it thought was, about that because you guys are so far North. Yeah. Yeah, it, man. And it, it's gorgeous. And you're expecting to see like snow. I didn't see snow for, I think, um, 
four months after we got there. And I was looking for it. Now, mind you, coming from the Caribbean, also another thing that was kind of weird was I'm coming from tropical beaches. Mm-hmm. I don't know what snow feels like. I've never experienced cold. I don't understand any of that aspect. So I'm looking for snow. I'm like, yo, where is this snow at? And when is it coming? And how does it come down here? And we need to get it. And when the snow finally came, I was like, when does it go back? I don't <laughs> want it. <laughs> you know, um, what you ask for. It, it, it was crazy. It was cold, man. It was it was cold. It was it was different. It wasn't what I expected um, when I first moved because you know, playing the beaches, you throw sandballs. Yeah. Pile up some sand and you beam somebody with some sandballs. You got snowballs and they're cold and your hands are freezing yeah. and then understanding that when you go outside to come inside you gotta warm up first before you get in the water didn't know that either i got shocked so for for anybody that's never been into cold weather um and you go outside and you come in let your body thaw out first a little bit um, because then it, and before you touch any kind of water or anything because it shocks um but yeah man transitioning to that um learning the different people learning the different ways um, I found people were rude. I thought people in America were extremely rude um, when I first moved out here to America. Um, or, you know, out there was, because in the Caribbean, oh, whenever whenever you see anyone <laughs> that's an adult, whenever you pass anyone, um, it's everything's based on respect. You know, right. it's mutual respect, you know, love, love, peace, everything is respect. So when you see, you know, adults or you see anyone, even if you're crossing the street, you don't know them, it doesn't matter. It's um, customary to, to, to welcome them, greet them, you know, right. good morning, good afternoon, good evening. You know, it doesn't matter who they are. You know, I've seen the gangsters of people see an old lady walk down the walk down the street and they're like, good evening, ma'am, good afternoon. You know, um, and so that's, those are some of the morals that I was brought up on. So when I came to America and I was walking in the streets and I saw people and I was good afternoon and they were clenching on their Wait, stuff and they take listen, off. I'm like, what? I can talk about that because being from Brooklyn, we don't say hi to people we don't know. You know, right. that's just yeah. like the New York fast paced, you know, it's, it's a hustle and bustle city, stranger danger, all of that. You ride the, the um, bus, you ride the transport. I, I grew up riding the trains and stuff. And I was just taught, keep my head down don't talk to strangers and move fast. I, Sean will laugh because um, he tries to keep up with me with my New York walk. And he's like, why are you walking so fast? And I'm like, it's a safety thing that I learned and it's just how we're born, (laughs) you know? And so, so being like that, you know, he's like, we say hi to everybody. I'm like, I only say hi to the people my mom okay to say hi, you know, and it's a safety thing from growing up in New York, but that was a cultural difference. And when he took me to um, the island, I'm a person who, if you tell me what's going on, I can go with, along with it. I can adapt. You yeah. know, that's what I learned early. So he told me that, and we were in the Caribbean, and I'm sitting on the on the porch, drinking my coffee, taking in the views, and everybody. I had to leave the porch because everybody who came out, I'm thinking, I'm like, oh my god, I gotta say hi to this person, and it became like a second job, and I'm not used to it. So I was like, oh, good morning. Good morning. Yeah. <laughs> Good morning. Uh, you know what? I'm just gonna go. <laughs> so I don't want to be disrespectful, but I also was like, this is a lot of work that I'm not used to because yeah. I just keep my head down. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I can feel you. I, a couple of things. So um, I I went to Sweden along uh, many years ago. My ex-wife is from Sweden. So uh, speaking about the sun staying up and the snow, right, Sean? So um, 
this is the first time in my life I experienced real snow, you know, because I've experienced California snow and that's like cute, you know, like little tiny dots. But so I go to Sweden and um, it's minus 25 degrees Celsius mm. and the snow comes down like the snowflakes. Like, I'm not even kidding you. Like the picture, it landed in my hand and I was like, what the heck? This is crazy. Right. And like, like you're just running from store to store and you're like bundled up. Right. And then, and then obviously in the, in the summer, it's the same, the sun stays up, you know, most of the, most of the day. And, and at night, I still remember I was jet lagged. I showed up, I went to, the, I woke up super late. So I went to the gym, like at 11 AM. I came out of the gym at 2 PM and it was pitch black. And I was like, what the heck, like what's going on? So I understand that one. And about the, uh, the speed walking, Tiffany, because my sister lived in London for 10 years and I've been to London and London it's, it's, it's the same. It's like you got to keep up to their pace, or you're going to get ran over or oh, yeah. <laughs> a loss, right? So, so I, I feel you on that one. So, so, so Tiffany, you were in the boarding school, and how long were you there for? What happened after that? So, boarding school was your typical high school. Every time you know, I tell somebody, "Yeah, I went to boarding school," they're like, "What did you do?" Yeah. I was like, "Listen, <laughs> it wasn't that kind of boarding school where you see in the movies where." It's it's like, I'm sending you to boarding school because you've been a terrible child. It was actually, I wanted to go right. and I had earned the privilege, I guess, or I, I worked my way to get in a scholarship and to what they call the ISL. <clears throat> so these are kind of like the Ivy League high schools. You know how you have the Ivy, Ivy League colleges? These were the Ivy League high schools of the um, Northeast. So after you go through this rigorous program for two years, so I did my regular school classes in my junior high. And then I also did summers and Saturday classes during my school year. So my seventh grade, <clears throat> my seventh grade um, year, my seventh grade summer and my eighth grade summer. And then during eighth grade, I did Saturday classes where I had to go into the city and I would take these rigorous classes that were probably like high school, I mean, college level. And so it just prepares you for who you're going to be competing with in boarding school. Right. And so the boarding school I went to was actually in Massachusetts. So another cultural shock from New York to <laughs> like Massachusetts in Boston, right? <laughs> and I'm like, what is that language? <laughs> you know? ah, you <laughs> like, now I got to learn something all over again. <laughs> Um, but good people. I'm so happy I was able to experience that because even in my adult years, just who I interact with, I'm not afraid to talk to anybody or to meet somebody new because of that culture shock. Yeah. You know, if I would have only known what I knew and stayed in my little, yeah. you know, people don't get to see the world, it, it could have hindered me. But now this like blossomed me. So now I'm meeting all these new people. My first year at boarding school, when my mom, my mom dropped me off, you know, we drove all my stuff up and I, and I finally get my own room, which was like a first because, you know, growing up in the projects, we shared rooms, like <laughs> we didn't have your own nothing in the projects. Right. So I was like, this is like my room, like in my own room. So like, that was exciting. We moved all my stuff in. It's like moving into a college dorm and I'm sitting there. And now it's time for my mom to go. You know, my mom, my brother, my grandfather, they had all come up, dri driven me up and got me settled in. 
and then it was time for them to go and I remember crying like I was like oh my god what am I doing wait a minute like I've only no I was like mom do you need me to stay I could come back like yeah. you know I help you with everything in the house she's like no you worked hard for this you'll be okay yeah and I was like okay yeah you're right <laughs> <laughs> and I remember having um we what we called a dorm a dorm parent and um because you're still you're still young you're not a senior yet right so this right. is still high school you're still new you're young so for the freshmen there's a dorm parent and they live in the house in the dorms too they have an apartment in the dorms so that they're on call 24 7 and right. I remember attaching myself to her family like day one I babysat her kids. I stayed with, with her all the time. After check-in, she would come and check on me. And I really created this bond, but she was like my second mom mm. because I was so like homesick, you know? Right. Um, but going through that experience, you know, just meeting new people and, and becoming my own person at such a young age, uh, I can't tell you how that's probably put me ahead leap years in, in my lifetime. And so after Massachusetts, I decided when it snowed in May, because we're talking again, snow, right? Yeah. Beautiful seasons in Massachusetts, but, and I'm used to the snow, but I was over it. You know, I was like, <laughs> yeah, when I had a choice, what college I wanted to go to, I was like, Florida sounds great. <laughs> Florida sounds great. I don't care about anything else. Yeah. I'm going to Florida. <laughs> yeah. And you know, you you kind of bring up a, a great point because you you asked Isaac you know um what's what's some of the 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 plus sides that I got to being in Alaska and stuff like that it was the different cultures and understanding how to adapt to that you know um I know I, I talk about how you know the Caribbean accent it was a hindrance for me um and the reason why I speak the way that I speak now is because for a year man like I didn't say anything to anyone you know because as as you said it was it was kind of you know traumatic to me at that age, because I thought that, all right, well, people are making fun of me. So let me learn how to adapt. Let me learn how to go ahead and, you know, build friendships. Cause I can't do it if, right. if no one understands what I'm doing. So for a whole year, I stopped talking really. Um, and, and I would just go into the mirror and just kind of repeat everything that I heard everyone else saying. And, you know, yeah. I'd be like, oh, okay, bro, what's up, man? <laughs> yeah, dude. Dude, dude, all right, dude, all right, you know, um, so, so then I was able to go ahead and interact, and it's crazy, because although I speak the way that I speak now, I cannot control my accent if I'm around somebody else that's from the Caribbean, mm. I cannot control my accent if I'm angered, and I can't control my accent if I'm drunk, right. there's only three times mm -hmm. I cannot control it, um, and that's I know, like the Brooklyn, you know, when it comes out, because people are like, you're from Brooklyn, I don't hear it, you know, yeah. And then they'll hear and they're like, what was that? I was like, oh, that was a little bit of Brooklyn coming out. But I've been so many different places that it's kind of adapting, you know, yeah. Massachusetts. I never adapted the Massachusetts, you know, cat and all of that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't get to that. But when I was in Florida, I definitely picked up on some Florida, you know, they have the, I don't even know what, how you would call it in Florida, Floridian? but it's definitely different um, accent yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah, I, I felt it, you know, um, a lot of people say, well, why, why did you get rid of it? It's, why would, you know, um, it's not that I get rid of it or that I suppress it. It's just um, people place certain stereotypes on you, yeah. you know, when they hear you speak a certain type of way. Um, 
I do not, you know, denounce my Caribbean heritage by no means, period. You know, um, but I also understand that this world is structured in a completely different way. And you got to understand how to go ahead and maneuver in order to go ahead and climb the ladders, mm -hmm. climb to the different, you know, get into the different rooms, you know, different surroundings, regardless on if a person likes who you are or not, the truth of the matter is they're still going to have their own pre, you know, preconceived notion of you. Mm -hmm. So it's just like, all right, well, cool. Yeah. Now you see me as I am. Now, you know, I'm Caribbean. What yeah. one? Right. You want to say something? No. Say something. That's why we always talk about well, don't let the Brooklyn come up. Don't let this properness fool you. Yeah. I've been very well groomed, world class education and everything like that. But at the end of the day, you know, we are from we are where we're from, but it doesn't dictate where we're going and how we got there, kind of thing. So absolutely. So a couple of things on that. I understand where you guys are coming from because my father's from Mexico. So my father uh faced a lot of racism when he got here because this was like the 70s and he was Mexican and he was dark and he couldn't speak English, right? And people would be like, what if, I don't understand you. What are you saying? So the weird thing was my father understood very early on, I need to learn English well. I need to try to get rid of my accent as much as possible so that I can move forward in life, right? Had nothing to do with him not wanting to be Mexican or whatever. But the other aspect of that was I learned Spanish because it was spoken in my house up until I was about five. And then when my sister came along, my dad said, no more Spanish in the house because I need to learn English, right? And so my sister kind of didn't get, get that, that language, right? And the other part of it is, is it's, really, it's really awesome to see, uh, you know, now we understand that, that we're older, that every adversity has a seed of benefit greater than, you know, but when you're a kid, you don't get it. You're just like, why is this happening to me, right? But, you know, the cool thing about all that is that all those things we go through in life, especially at a young age, it builds you, it makes you stronger. And uh, you guys, um, it, it's, it's something that I, that I always say is like, you gotta have street smarts and book smarts. You can't just have one or the other, right? You can't just be straight street smart because that's not good. That's like, you know, Dave Chappelle when keeping it real goes wrong, right? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. And then you can't just be all book smart because then you don't know how to talk to people or you get taken advantage. You got to have right. kind of like a combination of both. And what I see is that both of you guys have a combination of both because you are from certain areas that were a certain way and then you adapted to like, like a 180 degree. But, but it, that's what life is about. Life's about being able to talk to all types of people and adapting and all that kind of stuff. So I think that's pretty that cool. And, and I, I can see now kind of why you guys click so well. And like, it, it just makes sense. I guess, <laughs> you know, my favorite quote is by Steve Jobs. You can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backwards. And every time I do a podcast and I interview people, they start to connect the dots as they're going along, right? Which is, which is pretty awesome. So, so Tiffany, you went to Florida, right? Sean, you were in Alaska. Like, how did you guys end up, like, meeting? <laughs> like, how, how did that happen? I mean, well, I left Alaska, and I went to college to Arizona. Okay. Um, and I think that's around the time you went to college in Florida. Yeah, so um, still separate timelines. I'm in Florida, and, um, you know, <laughs> being in Florida, I was happy that the weather was great, but actually the school that I got a scholarship to, I was, like, sold because the campus was beautiful it's like the um private harvard of the south right okay. and i was like i'm gonna go on the lake and i am gonna just 
be tanning by the pool and like this is the life this is why I worked so hard in high school to get this yeah. life I kid you not I probably I've never I have never been to the lake at my college at Alma and I went to the pool one time and I felt bad because I was like, I probably should be studying. Yeah. So when I went to college, I worked three jobs and took the most credit hours that I could because I understood that I don't need to be wasting any time with a tuition that is just as high. And even though I got scholarships, I still had to take out a few grants. So I was like, I'm not going to play with this time. Right. Meanwhile, the culture that I was around the school that I went to had daddy's money. And they were like, I'm going to be on the lake, folks, yeah. everything, you know. I'm like, how long have you been in college for? They're like, I'm not even counting until they let me out. <laughs> like, I'm trying to get out right. as soon as possible because I had to work and school. And I was like, if I'm going to have to do one of these things for the rest of my life, I'd rather hurry up and get to it because I'm, I can't, I don't want to do both for the rest. I was already working hard. Mm -hmm. So I became a teacher. Um, and the, and it's funny because this goes with part of my story, you know, I went to college and I was going to become a, um, I wanted to do business, which is funny, right? Because yeah. so, where I'm at now, but I wanted to do business, but my school only offered uh, international business and me being from New York and watching too many movies, I was like, I'm not going international, nothing, because they're not going to kidnap me. So I was like, I'll pass. It's a hard pass for me. I had no, I did not want to travel, right? Being, you know, a single female by myself, I just, that was not the look. And um, so I ended up taking this one class called um, Educational Psychology, and I was hooked like just understanding the mind and people and and even though it was from a children's standpoint that's like where we start and that is what led me into my education um fulfillment so i started taking the courses for education and i became a teacher right it was just like second nature because i'm the oldest in my in my family and I pretty much raised everything, my cousins, me, my brother, my sister, like I've always had to take on that role. So combined with that and me taking this class, I, it was just a natural thing for me to just go right into. And so, so natural that my, in your last year of school, your second semester, you do an internship at a school, you know, so you get live action, live field training. Yeah. I was so good at it that, that my teacher that I'm supposed to be working with, she was like, you got it. They're supposed to help you. She was oh, like, you got it. I'm going to go yeah. study for my doctorate. You got it. <laughs> and I was like, I thought you were supposed to be like, I'm only supposed to be doing one lesson. She let me teach out the whole year. Wow. And so I knew it was like my calling and, um, and I was very passionate about it. So I stayed in Florida for about nine years because after school, I was a teacher for five and I was really, really good at it. And I loved it, but I loved money a little bit more and being a young 26 year old, I was like, this can't be life. Like I haven't even got to do anything and I'm not financially where I feel like I should be after all this hard work I put into, right, yeah. you know? And so I was like, you know what? Um, my degree will always be there, but I 
and not going to be this young forever. So let me put this on pause. And before I hate teaching, you know, because I love the children, I also realized I couldn't change an institution that is already made the way it's made. And I had some big ideas that were not going to be changed by one person and the level and position where I was. Yeah. You know, um, a lot of people don't know that schools, you know, they make these rules, right? And you implement them, but the teachers are the last people they ask, well, what do you think? Right. Well, we're only with the kids all day long and we know what works and what doesn't work. So you would think our input was, you know, something that they would seek, but it's not. Yeah. And so, you know, me being somebody who doesn't accept what it is, I'm like, no, I'm just going to go move. And I'm going to, if I can't move it, then I don't want to be a part of it. Yeah. So then I just, I decided, you know what? I visited Vegas a few times and I was like, you know what? Vegas might be calling my name because I, <laughs> As I worked all those jobs, I worked in the hospitality industry. Mm -hmm. So when I visited Vegas and I went to a few places, I was like, hey, I talked to some of the bartenders and the waitresses. I was like, do you love it here? Because I really love it here. I think I would do good. They were like, yeah, we love it. And so I, did, I quit. I did not have anybody in Vegas, but one friend. I didn't know what was going to go on. I just told my principal, I said, listen, Trevor, I am not gonna be here next year so you can give away all my stuff <laughs> and um if I get hired in the summertime I'm not coming back so you can give away my stuff tell the kids because I had lists like kids wanted to get in my class so I had to dissolve that list and say I'm not going to be a teacher here so you got to put them somewhere else and he's like I'm not going to write you a recommendation to go to Vegas you're one of my best teachers I was like I gotta do this for me I I'm sorry and I'm I went and I got hired at two places in the summer and, and that was it. I never looked back. I, I just went to Vegas and that's how I got to Vegas. Uh -huh. so, <laughs> you're <in the> Vegas Sean. <laughs> so, um, you know, I was in Alaska um, as an athlete and as a person that has a, you know, my family's all military. So that's another thing that I kind of want to put in. Um, my mom is a, if you don't know how to do it, figure it out type of person. Um, with that being said, there pretty much isn't nothing, there's, there's nothing that I can't do. Okay. Um, and when you hear people say, Hey, you can do whatever you want to do, you know, just apply yourself. Well, I kind of took that to heart. Um, <laughs> so I'm like, there's, there literally isn't too many jobs I haven't done. I've worked many, many jobs, just trying to figure out what I want to do. Um, and then I followed along the path that we all follow along. You know, um, at that time I was playing basketball. Uh, one of my friends, uh, my last senior year in high school, my friend, he passed away. Um, his, his mom had killed him. She was schizophrenic. Oh, um, you know, yeah. And it was the day before my birthday. Um, he was one of the greatest persons I'd ever meet in my life. And I always make sure his name is still alive. His name's Mike Woods. Um, you know, um, because he had a lot of faith in me. Um, at that time in my life, um, I was a little vagrant. I'm not going to lie to you, man. I was a little bad kid. Like I was a little street bad running adults. around. Like, I don't even care. Like, you know, yeah. we're not going to, we all have a past. I'm not going to go into my past, but I was not, <laughs> was not one of the best kids around. Okay. Um, but this, this guy, you know, this, this, my friend, he believed in me and he would always tell me like, man, why are you wasting your life? You know, you do so much better. He would always tell me so many things to do. You're not applying yourself. You know, um, you have the ability to do so much because you're so gifted. Um, and I was like, man, whatever. 
I don't even care about that. Like, this sounds cool, you know? Yeah. And I'm from a different, I came from a different background in the Caribbean. So, um, you know, it's just survival. Survive. Survive is, is the best thing that you can do. Um, and, and continue to, to keep climbing if you can. Um, and when he passed away the day before my birthday, like a switch clicked off in my head and it was like, yo, here I am putting myself in harm's way on a day-to-day basis just to be cool or whatever I thought was cool right. at the time. You know, and here's a guy that's really applying himself. And because his mom had a sickness, he lost his life, you know? Um, and exactly. yeah. yeah, so from there, I kind of, I took it on myself as, you know, um, and that year I lost a lot of friends, man. I lost another good friend, you know, to, to drunk driving. Um, you know, some drunk driver hit him and killed him, you know? Um, and so I experienced a lot of loss, right? In that same, my, my senior year. Um, and in there, it let me value life a lot more. Um, and so I said, all right, cool. Let me go ahead and switch things around. And I switched it up. I turned the game on, you know, I got into basketball. I got into track. Um, I broke state records on my first time in track, um, ended up going to the junior Olympics. Um, I experienced a lot of different things. And, um, I ended up going to a basketball tournament in Arizona. Babe, don't say nothing right now. So in Arizona, I saw some bad girls, man. I was like, damn. Yeah, I get you. I, said, I don't know what's happening down here, but when I go to college, I'm leaving Alaska and the Eskimos to Arizona. I know you're starting to leave the cold. Yeah. Um, but now that I look at it, I feel like, you know, I, I, I went, I tried to try every extreme. I went from the tropical, you know, to the cold. Why not try the desert? You know what I mean? Um, because the ladies are hot in the desert. And I went down there. And it was funny because everything's hot in the desert. Man, everything was, I was like, man, the desert is hot for real. I like it. Um, you know, but it, it was crazy because the school that I was trying to go to was uh, Arizona State. Okay. Um, so so <laughs> now here we are applying for schools and things like that. My friend and I, and we're sitting here, we're like, yo, man, what was the name? Uh, what city was that school in? And it was a T. It was always, well, we, we, we were thinking like Tucson. Okay. It was Scottsdale, Tempe, you know what I mean? Yeah. So we remember because we had our tournament in Tempe. Yeah. And um, it was in Scottsdale is where, where we saw the school. And I'm, we're, we're both just debating. We're like, yo, it's it's T. I think it's Tucson. Yeah. I think it's Tucson, bro. Is it Tucson? Yes. <laughs> so we don't care. We apply. And then <laughs> and we, we get Right. So we get there um, and to U of A and things like that. We're looking around and we're like, yo, this is not the same. Did, did everything change in that last <laughs> couple months? Did the whole... And then, you know, we were already caught there and just ended up going to school there. Um, and then we found out as we were in school there, it was ASU, we were supposed to go to the U of A. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You know, we made the best of it. Um, <laughs> man, man, we went to the wrong one, but it's still, it was still an amazing time, man. Um, you know, Tucson was was great being out of our um, our comfort zone. My mom, just like how your mom, but your mom was, was forgiven. She wanted you to go and be free. Well, she saw how hard I worked. My mom didn't want me to leave. Oh. My mom didn't talk to me for like three months after I left because she wanted me to go to college in Alaska. Um, and I was like, cool, I'm out of here. Peace. Um, you know, and I just went and did my own thing. I had no one. Um, I had to figure out a lot of things that I went through. Um, and one thing that I did know I love to do was help people, um, ended up going through school and everything else. And then I went back to, to Alaska to do pharmaceuticals. So, um, to do pharmaceuticals, I got into pharmaceutical industry because I wanted to help 
families. Yeah. You know, um, I, I got fascinated with the schooling of it, got my degree in it, and I thought it was amazing. Um, so I said, all right, well, cool. You know, I want to do this. I got to the job. Pharmaceutical school is cool, but the job is so boring and mundane. <laughs> oh, man, the money was great. But then there was just... Um, Legal drug dealer. Yeah, you know, outside of that, yeah, Pretty exactly, one thousand percent, man. The morality to it didn't, it didn't kick in, man. It didn't kick in until later on. Like when I'm sitting here saying, okay, you got this drug, and then three months later, you can, you, you bring in another drug to replace that last drug because it's better, but it has way more side effects. And then another one in the next three months, and you keep pushing. And then I saw why that's a multi-trillion-dollar industry. And to be honest, man, to me, it disgusted me. I yeah. sat down. I remember sitting in my car one day. And um, I called my best friend up. I was like, yo, man, I, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be here anymore. And he was like, so leave. Why are you even there? He said it to me just like, he's like, why are you even there? I don't understand. I was like, man, got a good job. You know, make good money. Good, you know, good career. Like, he's like, so? He's like, you're one of the most talented people I've ever met. He's like, you dance, you fight, you play basketball, you're athletic. He's like, so many things. You can play music. He's like, why are you wasting your talent right there? And I was just like, you know what? You're right. But what should I do? He's like, check this out. Leave. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, I was like, all right, all right, okay. I want to leave. I was like, where I go? He's like, man. Well, I think you would be dope on TV or whatever. You know, go, go, go to LA. Go to Cali. You like, you, you can do so much with your skills out there. Do something out there. Um, and then I looked at Cali. It was expensive as <laughs> hell. Yeah. Um, no. Okay, so then um, we looked at Las Vegas and I was like, well, Las Vegas is cheap. You know, um, it's cool. I can do things there. If I can get in shows and stuff like that in Las Vegas, I would be great. Um, and then I can always just drive to Cali. It's about three, four hour drive. No big deal. Right. Um, so I went, I had maybe like $1,500 in my pocket. Um, my mom was like, yo, what are you doing? You're leaving. And I literally went into work and I was like, yo, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. I just right. left. I was like, yeah, I'm, I can't do this. This is, I feel like I was burning my soul away. So I was like, I'm, thank you guys. I'm, I'm done. You know, um, and I left. I didn't have any friends in Las Vegas. I had no job lined up in Las Vegas. I had no idea what the hell I was going to do in Las Vegas. I just know I needed to go. Yeah. Um, and, you know, my friend at the time, he was like, well, you know, I have a timeshare there. You stay there for at least a week, get yourself on your feet, figure out some stuff, and then kind of move from there. And um, I went, man. And as I went there, I had to start all over from ground zero like right. making friends you know building an industry i mean you know finding out which industry works for me getting money things like that and um that's when i got into the hospitality industry and, and it worked out because i liked being around people and helping people plus it was super dope yeah. so i just kind of climbed my way too. Your, you guys both already had the experience of starting over and rebuilding so again that 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 situation when you were young ripped you out of your home, put you in a situation where you had to just figure it out. <laughs> now you're in another situation where you got to figure it out. But little did you know, you already had all that experience. I mean, it was, I'm not saying it was probably easy. It probably was still difficult, but you already had the know-how and the skill and the experience to do it. So, so I'm like, I'm like Tiffany that had two jobs lined up when she came in. I just popped in there and I was just like, all right, I'm here. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, 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 and then I had to use one thing that you said earlier, Isaac, you know, that street smarts, you have to have street smarts and book smarts um, really to succeed in anything. I feel as if, um, and you know, yeah. I, 
Oh, I was going to say that was not the only adversity that, you know, we had to face, like starting over. You had to talk about, you know, who we are coming in, which, you know, being, you know, just to put it out there, the industry in Las Vegas is fantastic, but there are not a lot of African Americans. Time out, time out. Hold on. You can't jump into that yet. You can't <laughs> jump into that yet because I didn't even get into the oh, industry oh, yet. I'm sorry. I didn't get it. So when I got into the industry, okay. So when I got down to Vegas, mm -hmm. I got into security first because I had a fighting background. Right. So um, I had to find a job and there was a security guy that walked around the little timeshare all the time. And I was like, yo, man, it's hot as hell outside. Yeah. Do you want to come in and hang out, get some water, chill? Because like every time he, there's like this little button thing you press, he, yeah. I guess tracks where he goes. And, he's like, Beep. and I was like, yo, man, I keep seeing you walking around all the time. Are you good? It's 100 degrees outside. He's like, man. But, you know, I just got to hit these markers and get back. I was like, yo, man, if you ever stop by here again, mind you, I'm from the Caribbean. So we're friendly on that small island. You know, everybody. So you see people in help, you need, you help them. You see yeah. a person thirsty, you got water, you give them water. Like, so that was the mentality that I grew up with. So I see this guy walking every time. He seems cool. You know, he works there. So I know he's not going to do anything foolish or else he's going to lose his job. So yeah. I'm just like, yo, man, if you ever need some water, if you want to just hang out, whatever, come through. So he hung out. Um, you know, and we kind of built a relationship from there. And, you know, um, I was like, man, I'm new out here looking for jobs and stuff like that. He was like, yeah, most of the people that I met in Vegas, hey, guess this, they're all tourists. Yeah. <laughs> Go figure. That's where everybody goes to tourists. And I'm not even thinking that. So every time I met people out when I was out, I was like, oh, man, where are you from? Oh, I'm from, you know, from this other state, that other state. I'm like, damn, where are the people that actually live here at? You know, not there. <laughs> they're not there. So, you know, and then I finally found one. And yeah, he's like, he, he like, yeah, there. And he's like, he's like, man, you know, um, he's like, if you're looking for a job, we're looking, you're looking, we're looking for new um, security. Got into that. Um, and from there, um, I kind of became a security guard. And as a security guard, I was working at timeshare and stuff like that. I also was still pursuing the reason why I went down there to go ahead and, you know, really flourish my skills and everything that I had. So um, I danced, you know, hip hop, contemporary and things like that. That was when So You Think You Can Dance was starting to get, you know, some traction. So I went out to, um, to So You Think You Can Dance in Utah and I got it. Um, I didn't go all the way through. Uh, it was, I think it was like the fourth or fifth season, one of those, um, but I went pretty far um, and then like I dropped out because they had me doing some technical stuff I never was trained on. I was like, okay, cool. But then one of the teachers, one of the ladies that was there offered me a scholarship to Juilliard um, to dance. Yeah, it was huge. Um, so I was excited about it. And I was supposed to be going there in the spring or something like that. Um, and at my security job, I there was an altercation with a drunk guy who attacked my supervisor at the time. And I stepped in between to stop him and I tore my deltoid ligament in my ankle. Ooh. So I lost my scholarship. I lost my ability to dance. I had to write a whole like email or whatever to let them know why I had to, I couldn't take, you know, the, the, the opportunity. Um, and it was, it was hard, man. It was crazy, you know, cause I really wanted to go do that and I lost out. So I figured, all right, well, man, I'm not supposed to be dancing if that's the situation. Um, and then I went from there into the hospitality industry, like restaurants and things like that. Started as a busser. I was like, damn, busters make good money because the security I made hourly. Mm -hmm. Busters, I made tips. I was like, ooh, this is some nice little money in the restaurants. I get paid how much? 
$100, $200 a night? Sign me up. What <laughs> I got to do? It was funny because I did that for like a day. And then I found out that servers made more money than busters. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I was like, what do you got to do to be a server? They're like, oh, well, you got to pass this test or whatever the case is. I was like, okay, do you have to have experience? Like, do you have experience? Fortunately for me, I have experience talking. <laughs> you know what I mean? I have experience talking. And yes, my grandmother has a restaurant. So I'm like, yeah, grandma has a restaurant. Did a couple things around the restaurant. No big deal. What do I got to learn, man? Because you guys are teaching me, you know, um, it's not rocket science. How to serve food. Take orders. I could do that. What's the lesson? What I got to do? So they taught me everything. Um, they gave me the book. I took the test. I passed it. They're like, okay, well, you're great. Server. Server made more money. I was like, ooh, this is nice. Now, I think that was at the Rainforest Cafe. Then I went to Grand Lux and, and um, whatever. What, what is it? Cheesecake Factory? Cheesecake Factory. So I had to learn all of their menus. Why? That's because like a, a dictionary. That menu. It's yeah. a dictionary. So, <laughs> so, so as I moved, I started noticing in Vegas, there's a lot of money. And you just got to level up. So this restaurant was here. The next restaurant was up here. So I'm like, all right. Let me work my way up to fine dining. That's what I'm going to do. And that's what I did, you know, um, and I went from restaurant to restaurant, climbed up, built up my repertoire until I found out about the nightlife industry and <laughs> the day clubs. Because <laughs> now, about. right. It's always new level, new devil. <laughs> now. I just went straight for it. I didn't <laughs> so, so see, she, cause she knew I didn't have that experience and I'm over here and I'm looking around. I'm like, oh, you make more money. I said, I make more, I'm making good money at fine dining restaurant. I'm like, yo, this is good. Yeah, life is good. I'm eating good. I ain't have to worry about nothing. Um, then one of my friends wanted me to go to um, an audition. And I was like, an audition? I was like, I don't give a crap about no damn. I'll go with you. I'll go with you. We'll go together, whatever. Well, I got the part. My friend did it. <laughs> that happened to me, too. I felt so bad. I went on an audition with a friend to, to support her. Yeah. And and that that's what led me into my first and blue martini. So are you familiar with blue martini, Isaac? No. Or the blue martini? It's like this cocktail lounge, and it started in Orlando, Florida, at the Mall of yeah. Millennia. And that was my first cocktail and job. I wasn't even eighteen yet, oh, and wow. so I couldn't even do the cocktail in part. I had to be a food runner until I turned eighteen. As soon as I turned eighteen, then or I'm sorry, as soon as I turned twenty one, then I can um I could be a cocktail waitress. And that was my door in. But I went with a friend to support her. She told me about it. She was like, come on, Tiff, let's go get these jobs. Like, yeah. this is a really nice cocktail restaurant. I was like, all right, cool. <laughs> we went in there. I must have wowed the manager. And then she went after me. And I was like, so did you get it? And she was like, no. <laughs> Maybe he's going to call you back <laughs> like later. And I think we lost our friendship. Yeah. After that. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's she was in life for a reason. Those people were there to take you guys to the <laughs> right. And you know, it's so crazy because now that now that I even think about it, like because I don't even talk to that friend anymore. Um, but I went with her because she was insecure. She was like, "Yo, I don't really." Know. I was like, "You look really good, girl. Come on, let's go ahead. I'll go with you. I don't even care. Let's go together." Because why? I had a fine dining job. I was man. I was banking out. I don't care if I make it or not. But if you want me to go with you, so you feel comfortable, I'm gonna go with you. And I went. And then they offered me the job. And I'm looking, I'm like, man, then I heard what they make there at that job. Then I was like, hey, Mr. Fine Dining Restaurant, it's been great. <laughs> <laughs> Level up time. Yeah. And then, yeah, that's that's when I got into the um, to the nightlife and, and, and day club industry. And I was busting. I was 
a busser again. But bussers in that industry, in that industry, uh, Isaac, I, I, can we disclose? They make a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. We we made a lot of money. I made a lot of money um, just doing that, and it was partying and helping people have fun. Like so, I enjoyed. I enjoyed my job. I was like, yo, this was really great. And then, you know, then I started getting in the industry and understanding how the industry worked. And as Tiffany was about to tell you, it's not many African-Americans in our industry, in that it's industry. It's very rare. Um, so <laughs> it was, I guess it was definitely luck or whatever it was supposed to be um, because not many, you know, you know, African-Americans get into that industry um, and we just kept propelling in, and climbing. In, in Las Vegas, you know, when I went to audition, I didn't even know about auditioning. You know, I just thought it was a job interview. But in Las Vegas, for the pools and the nightclubs, you have to audition. That's like a, you have to come a, in a bathing suit. job or something, you know? Yeah. Yes. yes. You have to come in a, in a bikini. Like if it's, if it's um, the pool, you have to come in bikini wear or club attire. They want to make sure you look the part. You are really auditioning. And, um, you know, they ask you about your background and stuff. And I, a funny story about when I went to go audition, I just got out of another interview, right? Because I'm in Vegas just on the hunt. I need to land a job because I'm quitting. I'm coming to Vegas, right? So I'm on the hunt and I line up all these interviews and I'm just going to the places that I want to work with my headshot. <laughs> and my resume and I'm like happily speak to a manager in live time and they're like is there something wrong and I'm like no I just need to speak to a manager can you grab them for me you know you can't leave things up to chance so if you yeah. want it you have to go for it so I'm, I'm finding a manager and I'm like here's my resume and here's my headshot not sure if you're hiring but if you are I'm very ready to work <laughs> and they were like okay thank you <laughs> took it. and what happened is that I went to this club in the beginning of the week and then I got an audition, not through them, but through a source finder, you know, and I end up going to this audition. I don't get the memo that it's a pool audition. I'm in a pencil skirt and like, you know, a professional attire and I'm in the line and I'm in the line with a whole bunch of people in bathing suits. I'm like, am I in the right place? Well, I guess I'm already here. I'm just going to go. And I sit down and guess who? is sitting in front of me it's the manager that I gave my headshot to and I'm and she's not she's like the cocktail manager she wasn't the general manager the general manager is sitting in front of me and he's like you guys know each other I was like yeah I was here in the beginning of the week I gave my resume and my headshot he's like oh you're the picture we have hanging up in their office right now trying to figure out like if we're gonna hire you or not and you know look like long story short, they hired me and I ended up, that's how my Vegas industry job started, career. Yo, that's, that's a lesson right there, you know, for people out there, like take action, don't wait for opportunities to come to you. You go to them, like you put yourself literally, like they were staring at you for like a week before they- Yes, before yes. Yeah, Yo, I actually, I actually did the audition um, and what I did because at that time, when they do the auditions, it's all like the pools and every all the clubs and stuff like that at the same time. So I got a little bit um, smart. I did my book smart stuff. Okay. So I didn't pick because I didn't know which one was which. I was just like, oh, well, I'm going to go to all of them. One of them is going to call me. <laughs> right. Yeah. So what I did was I went to the first one and they asked you like a set of questions. And it's crazy because it's like cattle herding. They're just trying to get people through. They ask you a few questions and you're out. And I'm like, how the hell are you going to dictate 
who you pick from just there. I saw people doing backflips in their interviews, all kinds of weird stuff just to kind of be remembered. Like, stand out. (laughs) So what I did was I paid attention to the questions that they asked me. And then I went to the next next interview and I took that question and I used it against the person in the next interview. Mm -hmm. And then the next, and then the next. And I... Whatever was the best answer, like, because you know when you do an interview, you're like, damn, I should have said that. <laughs> so it felt like me, like, I had a hundred different times to go ahead and say that again. So I was like, okay, boom. Yeah, this is what I meant to say. <laughs> oh, no, never mind. Boom, this is what I, and then, so it's funny. So I ended up getting called back, and I, I got accepted to every single one of the clubs. <laughs> wow. And then I just picked whichever one I wanted, and whichever one was making the most money at the time, that's where I went to. Yeah. So which and, one did um, you start at? Um, I started at Palms. Okay. So um, that was back. I don't know if you ever heard of a thing called Ditch Friday. No, but I know Palms was big for a while. Yeah, yeah so it you was remember? like the super one before yeah. the other ones. Before came everything out. else mm-hmm. popped off, Palms was it. You know, back when DJ AM was, you know, doing his thing. And, you know, um, all those great DJs was crushing it. Um, Palms was fire. That's what um, Diddy used to do his after after fight parties and things yeah. like that. It was it was huge, man. And I was there. I was there. Like in it all. Oh my gosh. I experienced everything. Yeah. There. It It was nuts. Um some pretty crazy experiences that you had uh being part of the palms. Man, wait, say that again. Just give us one like unique or crazy experience with being part of that whole palms during that time. Unique, crazy, man. I saw (laughs) I saw things that I don't think people if they know what happens in Las Vegas, really would do what they do. Um, so there was one time at a at a, at a, at, a, at, a um, at the day club, you know, um, the security. I pay attention to what everybody's doing. There was this girl. She was in the in the in the pool and she was splashing up and down on this guy. And I'm thinking that they're dancing, right? They're actually getting it on in the pool right then and there, right? And I'm just like, oh man, that's crazy. Okay, well, girl, go ahead and do your thing. It gets weird, okay? Security breaks him up because he sees him. And he's like, hey, you need to stop that or you're getting the hell out of here. And so she hops off the guy. You see him, hops off the guy, <laughs> swims across the pool and hops on another guy and starts doing him. Oh I was like, are you kidding me? And then the security eventually kicked her out of the out of the pool. But I was like, you know, there was crazy things like that, man. Yeah, yeah people's liquid courage, you know, you've seen it all. Um, as a former educator, you know, I got paid to pretty much babysit, if you want to call it, children, right? right? But in the industry, we got paid to babysit adults, which was same, same. And so a lot of the times when I was dealing with um, customers, right, I would just be like, you know, sometimes my second graders act better than you. And they would actually appreciate the teacher authority. I would use a lot of those skills with a lot of my clients because you know, um, they have to be reprimanded the same ways. I had to use my teacher voice. I'm like, listen, Charlie, you've been doing so good up until this point. I need you to gather yourself (laughs) and uh, we're going to get it together. Your teacher experience would have helped you in Vegas. (laughs) Right, right. I was like, it's the same thing. This, I just get paid for more, you know? Um, my first night on the job, and, and I had two, so I did bartending first because I was coming from bartending and I felt comfortable in that role. 
until my bartender friends told me, what are you doing behind the bar? You're young and you're beautiful. You can be a cocktail waitress. They make more money, like Sean said. You find yeah. out who makes the more money. Never and right. they're like, go audition for cocktail. I had the, I had a few good bartender friends. They'd be like, bartender for like when you get older and then you can't do it no more. Like, and I was like, oh, okay. Well, I was just getting my foot in the door. <laughs> so I'm behind the bar. And on the bar, you can see everybody's tab, all the cocktail waitresses tab. And I remember seeing a tab that was more than my entire teacher salary. Wow. And I was like, I had to look at it like a few times, like, wait, did that say, and there's a comma there yeah. and they're still going. Yeah. I was like, I am in the right place because I need to be around this. Not what, like it, you know, it let me see that even though I wasn't spending the money, it's like associations. You're around the money. So naturally you should be making the money like that eventually. And that was one of the craziest thing that put perspective. I was like, I made the right choice. Cause everybody was like, you're going to quit your career to just wing it in Vegas and go be a bartender. Right. And I was like, when you say that, it dumbs down what Vegas really is. When you go to Vegas, you are not just a bartender. You are not just a cocktail waitress. You are not just a busser. You are the entertainment. And that is entertainment central. People spend their whole lives saving up to come and be entertained in, in Las Vegas. It's like the Disney world for adults. Right. And, um, and it, and it was it's a, just the honor to like have been a part of that and see celebrities and oh, and uh and yeah. performances that we never probably would have seen otherwise and, yeah like, listen <laughs> where people save up a lot of money just to go like concerts and things like that we saw them every, every night. day every Live. night at like work. it was it was I'm like, like what up little john yeah. <laughs> I, I, I took care i took care of so many celebrities bro and i've been and i'm not when i say take care of them like here, you mm -hmm. know, Wiz Khalifa, Noah's Mama Rose, like everybody, like Kevin Hart. We we were, you know, um, Robin Thicke, like all of these people we met, all of these people, like, hey, what's good, yo, man? Thank you so much. And I'm handshaking, hugging these people, mm -hmm. and I'm like, Pictures. we we were where people pay crazy amount of monies just to get in the same room. Mm -hmm. And where here we are, you know, hey man, come take a shot. Buster Rhymes had me try to take a shot with him. I was like, bro, if I could take it and smoke a blunt with him, I was like, he's like, yo, I was, I was like, no, well, it wasn't with him. I think it was one of his entrepreneurs. He's like, man, if you want to, I was like, no, I'm good. Mm -hmm. Um, but he's like, yo, take a shot with me. And I was like, no, Buster was huge. I was like, man, I, I, I felt bad telling him no because I felt like he probably like, would have snapped me. But <laughs> he's like, you from the same island? He's like, well, go on, let's go ahead and do this. I was like, no, nah, man. I was like, I, I still gotta work. Still gotta get y'all yeah, stuff yeah. going on. We took care of um jay-z and beyonce they hosted um a party a new year's party mm -hmm. and so it's like oh that's pretty cool who'd you ring in the new year's with oh no big deal jay-z <laughs> and beyonce yeah. <laughs> and uh, like i'm talking like we were those people that that they got to so you know when you talk about all the adversity and things that we went through you know that kind of lined us up for where we were and how we were able to adapt you know, looking back now, thinking about, you know, all the differences and how to go ahead and maneuver, um, I feel like because we were placed in different certain circumstances, it allowed for us now when we're on this stage where there's so many different walks of lives of people, different kinds of people that are coming in, we were able to go ahead and just really relate to them a lot easier. And also just be like, we deserve, we deserve to be here. Like, we're no different from you. 
but we earned our stripes to kind of be here in this presence, in this moment, in this time. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense too, because you know, when you're around those types of people, they want you to act normal around them. They don't want you to be all like, ah, you know, or like not be able to talk to them. So that, that's a good point that all, all this stuff, and it's funny how life, like I said, you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backwards and it all kind of made sense. So you guys are living the life, you know, working, making money around celebrities. How did you guys meet? Thank you for tuning in. That was the end of part one. Part two comes out next Monday, 9 a.m. Please stay tuned. Make sure you like and subscribe to our channel and hit that notification bell so that YouTube will let you know when the next one comes out.